Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. That be you. That be me. There's only one. Yeah, I think one in the planet is a plenty. Prophet of Jesus. Well, welcome to this Thursday edition of the Paula Price Show, where we talk about Jesus Christ. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ happily, gleefully, gratefully, and humbly. He's my honey. I told Jesus this morning, Jesus, you know you're my honey, right? Because I have to tell him just because I know he remembers, but I told him, I think you need to hear it. You know, he says phases come, come before the upright. So I thought if that's going to be comely, but then let me be becoming to him. And I just praise God for all of the goodness that he's done. I praise God for Jesus Christ. You know, the stumbling stone and the rock of offense. You know, Jesus is either going to be your best friend or your worst enemy. There is no middle ground with this man. You're either going to love him or hate him. And he said that. He doesn't have a, 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 you know, God has no, no, um, no issues with people's extremes. You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. And the issue with the church today is that it cannot tell the difference between its love and its hate. So the church loves Jesus. And hate his ways, hate his standards, hate the way he is. They keep wanting to change him. I said, there's no way in the world people believe that they're going to heaven or that they're going to live forever with the king because you don't like his ways here. And he modified them for our mortality here. Which means in the realm of the immortal, all of these indulgences that we have don't exist. We've got a lot of indulgences here because of what happened to us in the garden. So if you really say, I love Jesus, but, if you've got a but, you are having issues with his ways. His ways are phenomenal. God is a person. So guess what people have? Personalities. And the Lord Jesus has his own personality. He also has his own preferences. And so it's amazing when I did the Jesus classes, uh, I don't even know, actually, how many years ago? That was in 2010, I believe. Okay, so we're almost eight years ago. So I did the Jesus classes, and I named them the Jesus classes because God said name them after him, because they're about him. I cannot tell you how many people said, but well, I don't need to take that class because I already know Jesus. I said, Y'all take classes of Abraham Lincoln and you can't know him. George Washington, can't know him. Martin Luther King, can't know him. Y'all take classes in dead people who are still dead and you want to learn about them. And so I was amazed at how many people would not enroll in the Jesus classes because of their presumption. You presume to know the almighty God. You presume to know the God who became flesh dwelt among us, died on the cross, went to hell, rose from the dead, returned back to his heavenly home, dispatched the Holy Ghost who brought his church to earth. And you think you know all about that? You see, 
the, the issue with the modern, I want to say Christian, but I think I should say just the modern uh, citizen, is that you think that what you have is what you know. Now, it's a fact that we don't retain everything we hear. That's why we have to study. That's why we have repetition and simulations and recitations and all those other reinforcement tools and techniques to, to embed what we hear in our minds. We need that to embed it. And so you think because you go to church every week and have to listen to a preacher that may or may not talk about Jesus, and in today's world, in all likelihood, you're not going to hear a lot about him, you think that you know him. But Paul didn't feel that way. Paul said that I may know him. I'm telling you, when you read that from the, from the seat of humility, when you read it from your knees instead of from your feet, you're going to see it very differently, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Oh, yeah, you think you know how he rose from the dead. You don't know him in the power of his resurrection at all. You don't. It's a study. Trust me, I did it. It's a study. But then here's the part that nobody wants to know in this, and that is the fellowship of his suffering. You, it sounds great, because to you suffering is your kids not turning out the way you want, you're not making enough money, you're not getting the job you want, and we can go on and on and on, but they're all personal reasons. They have nothing to do with the cosmos, they have nothing to do with the universe, they have nothing to do with the eternal God, his eternal world, they have nothing to do with the pre-carnate life of Jesus Christ or the ascension life of Jesus Christ, and everything in between. And so when I started teaching about the Jesus, teaching Jesus classes, we put a series. I don't know yet how many um, uh, episodes we have in that series, but I was surprised at the arrogance. Oh, no, I don't need that. Yes, you do, because if you don't know the founder of your faith, it's like not knowing the founder and the head of your company and thinking you can run it. You don't even know the foundation. You, and when I ask questions, because I like it when people say that to me, because it gives me an opportunity to ask all those questions that they can't answer. And it's necessary. But just to think the smugness, God said this church is smug, which is why it's naive, which is why it's gullible, which is why it's getting taken out and eaten alive, because it's smug. Because you think this Bible, because it uses the words and sentences that you understand, you think you understand the Bible, you think you know it. It's amazing how many people don't know the scriptures today. And you can, if you don't know the scriptures, you can't know Jesus. You just can't. Because you have to know him by his word. And only then starting out to know him by his word. But there's another step of knowing Christ once you get the word, and that is you have to know him by insemination, revelation, application. And we can go on. It's a living word. It's an active word. It's a dynamic word. And so you're trying to say you know Jesus and you don't know his word. You don't know what he wrote. You don't know what he thinks. Well, I know what he thinks. He thinks like I think. If he did, he would be mortal and he'd be you and you'd be not existent. Jesus can't afford to think like us because we're mortal. Now, he comprehends us. When you read Luke 24, 44, you read the, the, just above that, 42 through 44, you read where he said that Jesus has to open your understanding to comprehend. See, that's not just knowing. 
can comprehend the scriptures. And he said over and over again, I'm telling you, this man is going to get us coming and going. He said over and over again, he said, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life. He said, but they are they which testify of me. It is the testimony of Jesus Christ that is the spirit of prophecy, not just the spirit of prophecy. It is the testimony, not just the name of Jesus Christ. It is the testimony. You want to know where those errant prophets are coming from? They stepped off the testimony. They stepped off the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, in in Revelation 12, when, you know, when heaven finally kicks out Satan and his rebel army, there you have a celebration, and they begin to make some chants, and they begin to declare some things, and it says that, you know, but we have overcome him by the word of our testimony. So it's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If you don't know Jesus in the blood, if you can't know Jesus in the blood, if you don't know blood, the blood of the lamb. You need to know the blood. You need to know a lamb's blood. You need to know why he chose a lamb and not an ox. See, you don't know him. You know print. You've read print, but you don't know the man, Christ Jesus. And it's important. So heaven is having a party. They say, hey, we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I always like to share that because, see, when I was sitting in the pew as a young Christian and I'm trying to figure it out, you know, when you're young and new or you're untaught, you kind of take whatever comes across that pulpit as gospel. How many of you know that that's not always the case and that we haven't heard the gospel preached wide scale in a long time? And so when I was sitting there as a young Christian, I thought that they were talking about earth. I thought they were talking about humans. No, they were talking about their world, eternal beings, celestial, the celestial citizens of God's creation. Because, see, most of you all don't even know Jesus had a, had, a, had a world that he left to come here. Most of you don't know that he, he's king of that world, that, that he has always been king of that world. So there's a lot about Jesus you don't know. So what does it mean? That's the place. What's the big deal about knowing him? Knowing him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Knowing him as a sovereign and the Savior, knowing him as the sovereign who became a Savior, and the Savior who returned to being a sovereign. Oh, somebody is going to hear me this day. You don't know the man. That's why you mistreat him. That's why you argue about him. That's why you resent this and resent that. You get upset about holiness. You get upset about righteousness. You get upset about truth. You don't start talking about truth. It's some sort of moral um, moral option. And you, you, all of that kind of crazy stuff, you can't filter out Jesus Christ from the rest of the deities' commentaries and deities' doctrine. You need a sieve and a cipher. The scriptures are a sieve and a cipher. The sieve part is that you get to filter out everything that is not Christ so that what's left in your um, sieve is only that which pertains to truth and pure truth. You don't even know what truth is. You don't know the truth has a, has, has a, literally Truth has realms that it operates on, and, it, and it, it, it literally deteriorates from God's throne to man's heart to man's world. 
So we have this perfect ideal truth. What is that truth? That truth is Jesus Christ saying, hey, this is how we created this thing. This is how it rains, ran and runs. This is how we regulate. This is how we register those who are citizens and reject those who are not. And we can go on and on and on, but this is ours. So our truth, heaven's truth, is not man's truth because man's truth is mortal. Man's truth is based on mortality. Man's truth is based on failure. Man's truth is based on flaws, faults. Man's truth is based on his limitations. It's based on not being able to see tomorrow. It's based on not even recalling a lot of yesterday. It's based on all of the feebleness that goes with being human and all of our accommodations and all of our explanations and all of our compensations for that flaw. And then once we take all of that, the ingredients of human truth can never match creator truth because you shut out of it. First of all, God shut off our brains. I keep saying God's not invisible. Our brains are black. They're dark. God is not invisible. Angels are not invisible. God's world is not invisible. He just knows that we would be scared to death if he opens up our brain and we get to see ourselves as this little pebble in this huge, vast world of life and community. It would scare us half to death. We would then see ourselves for as people as we really are. And it would make us intimidated. And we wouldn't do anything. So he shut off our brains. And everything to do with his world, he shut down. He plugged. And he plugged it. Now, I know some of y'all don't get this. I'm going to see if I can find this. And, and let, me, let me get my little app because I got to read scripture. And I should. You should want scripture. Hallelujah. And I'm so not, you know, bothered by that because it is the constitution of our kingdom. And so I'm going to see if I can find um, Isaiah 29. All right, let's see what we got here, see if I can find the spot I want. Because it says that, um, I don't think this works. You know, I got this wonderful little iPad. This, um, I love it, absolutely love it. I really do. I love this little thing. When I learn it, it will be good. Um, I know when I'll do spirit. Of- Because in Isaiah 29, I'm trying to find it in, in my pad, he says he has um, put upon us a spirit of a deep sleep. And see, this is interesting. I want to find it. Um, Genesis. Let's see if we can get to Isaiah. You know, it's so sick. Huh? Yeah, I probably would have done better just turning the pages. I just thought I'd try to act like I was in control. <laughs> but while, while I'm digging this up, um, Prophet Ashley, first of all, I would like to have you all join me in, uh, in consoling and in, in extending condolences to Prophet Ashley, who lost her father this morning. Very unexpected. If you want to send regards and prayers, please go to her Facebook and send them and, and let her know. Show some love because it was very unexpected. And I'm so proud of her. She looks so pretty. You wouldn't even believe it. If you didn't read the eyes, you wouldn't know. But um, I just wanted to let it be known that we are sorry. Last week, um, was it two weeks ago, Prophet Tamira lost her grandmother. She just came back from Florida. Why am I saying this? 
Because you know what? I, I prophesied that God's cleaning out in 2018. So God is a lot of people. He's wrapping up those lives that have fulfilled their purpose, that have nothing else to give this world, and now I'm ready to start being prepared for his world. So um, those of you who are there, I'm telling you, to this is going to be crazy by the time we get to 2018 in December. 2019 is going to be a different landscape. A lot of people are signing off. And I, I know that sounds, you know, kind of whatever, but when you live in our world and you, and you live on God's plane, it isn't. You know, it is what it is. And you just give God praise for giving you your time. Okay, here it is. Isaiah 29, 10. Isaiah, now look at this. This is how, this is why we can't see God. And Jesus came and repeated this more than once. Isaiah 29, 10, for the Lord has poured out upon you the spirit of a deep sleep and has closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, have he covered. And the vision of all is becoming to you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, read this, I pray thee. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, read this. I praise thee, and he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth, with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of man. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, who sees us? Who knoweth us? Surely your turning things upside down shall be esteemed as potter's clay. For, and for, the, for shall the work say of him that made it, made me not. Shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding. Now, why am I saying this? Because we, if you don't do the prophetic readings and if you don't have a prophet educating you, because when you look in the scriptures, the high educators of God's, um, God's communities were prophets, not just priests. Priests taught the law, and they taught you how to handle the law. They taught you all of that. The prophets taught the government, and they taught the counsel of God and the counsel of, of, of God Almighty. And so you need to understand how those things work. So what God said is this. You know, I have to get this thing to stop doing this. But what God is saying, because I want you to understand why you don't know God and why you find it hard. Because Paul understood this later on, taking his cue from the prophets, and he understood later on that the veil is taken away in Christ. Like a lot of churches say, we're Old Testament churches, and that's all we do. Understand that, but see, you can't find Jesus. You can't find Christ because God has locked out the world. So that is why you go there, and as boring as all get out, you just do the same thing, hear the same thing, read the little things and whatnot, and, and you sound like the Ethiopian eunuch. What are you talking about? What is he saying? That Ethiopian eunuch needed Philip. And Philip needed those apostles to break the seal. See, I want you to understand, 
Many of you all love God dearly, but nobody has broken the seal on his word for you. They've not broken the seal, the, the, and the seal was put there by the Holy Ghost. That is why when Jesus rises from the dead, what does he do? He, after his coronation, after his enthronement, after his celebration, what does he do? Starts breaking seals. And he begins to open the seven seals. So let's just walk this through again. God is invisible because God blinded you to him. And he blinded you to him because until he gave you the cipher of the Holy Ghost and the new creation spirit and the new heart, your seeing him would cause you to be opinionated as we are now. Opinionated, arrogant. You know, the reason you can't see Jesus Christ in his physical self is because some of you all have so many images of him, you'll reject him. You'll, miss, you'll look at him and not see the beauty. You'll look at him and not see the glory. That's what happened when he appeared in the garden. And they say, who is he, the gardener? No, he's not the gardener, it's the Lord. But he had to first break the seal on their mind. Hmm. I thought that was well good. He had to break the seal on their mind in order for them to recognize him as their beloved Lord and Savior. Many of you, I hear people praying in the spirit all the time, Lord, show me this and show me that. You're not ready. The corruptness of your training, the presumptions of your heart and your mind, the persuasions of your doctrines, your humanist uh, treatments and commandments and precepts, will all make you misinterpret it because you will kill the word. See, I didn't understand that. That because everything in this planet is mortal, everything in this planet is dead, doomed to die and dark, no matter what happens, God can give you the greatest enlightenment in the world, but your darkness is going to snuff it out. The darkness in your heart, your belief systems, your value system, your, your biases, your prejudices, whatever, it's going to snuff it out. And, and, and as a result of that, no matter how much light God streams in, the darkness is going to clamp down on it because the first, the darkness must be removed for the light to shine. That's what Jesus was trying to say. He said, make sure that the light in you be not darkness, is not the light of darkness. Because if you don't get the darkness out of your soul, out of your psyche, out of your mind, out of your memory banks, all of the brilliance of God Almighty will not speak to you. It will profit you nothing. And you'll, be, you'll just you'll criticize it. You'll argue with it. You'll, you'll contend with it. Even though it's there, printed in Scripture, this is what you'll say. I don't see it like that. I'm telling you, the devil that came up with that needs to be cast to the pit of hell and then thrown in the fire. And here's why. Because everything that we see on this planet is based on Isaiah 29. That devil got kicked out of the light, and he wants to keep you in his darkness. Because if you get light, he gets kicked out. Because that's what happened before. See, when you get illuminated. You won't have to worry about deliverance lines and ministry. When you are illuminated, you will not have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about trying to find somebody to shake your devils off, cast your devils off, and all of that kind of stuff. Because the Bible said the entrance of your word gets light. And that is what Jesus did. He came 
talking about light. He came talking about the light that brings life, not the light that brings, the light of darkness brings arrogance. It brings smugness. It brings self-assuredness. It brings conceit. He said knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. But the light of Jesus Christ brings life. All of a sudden, you can believe again. All of a sudden, you can trust God. All of a sudden, you want to get back in the game and get back in the race. Yes, when you have the light of life, and that's what God brings. He said he brings the light of life. And so you've got to get to a place where you want that light because it's that light that purges. And light therapy, just, just thinking about what we do with light therapy, that light purges, that light sanctifies, it burns, it purifies, and it does all those kinds of things. But you have got to understand that you can't get God because nobody broke the seal. And because nobody broke the seal, because you got saved, yeah, but I got saved, yeah, but you got saved, and guess what? Remember, we talked about this salvation thing. <laughs> we talked about you saved by asking Jesus to come in your little stony heart. Jesus, just come in my little heart. That's not what Scripture, Scripture does not define salvation like that. doesn't describe it like that. And so here you got the Holy Ghost, knock, knock, knock. Come in, Jesus. Knock, knock, knock. Come in, Jesus. Knock, knock, knock. Come, Lord, come in. I can't. Your heart is too hard. When you get born again, that heart that was stony and full of all of the other trash is replaced by the new heart formed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But guess what? You don't know that that heart's empty. That is why he tells you to receive the sincere word of God as a babe, the, sin, the pure milk of the word as a babe. Why do you think he says that? He's not telling you that you're some sort of, well, you're just, uh, you're just a childish. He's saying, because it's not there, because I took away the knowledge you had of me, the errant knowledge, <clears throat> the, false, the false knowledge. I took away all of that. Uh, that's why when you, get, when you really get saved, you look at your old life, but you also look at your old religion and your old darkness, and all of a sudden that new heart is shining a light on it, telling you that was wrong, and it was killing you, and it was crucifying your relationship with Christ. Your, it was crucifying your ability to join him. So God had to replace your heart. It's that heart replacement. Come on, somebody. Woo! I'm having a great time. But it's the, it's the new heart that's the void of the gospel. So when somebody says you need to learn Jesus Christ, your head kicks in. And your soul heart kicks in and tells you, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Like that little divine damsel. She acted like she knew him because she didn't want anybody to hear what the apostles were saying and thus relinquish their faith and their hold on her and her, her baby. So she had to go about to scuttle it. Don't you ever sit there. If you got born again, you better get in some Bible classes. And you better get in some Jesus Christ classes. Because you read a lot, a, lot of, a lot of new members' classes. It's not about Jesus Christ. It's about that pastor's vision, that church vision. It's about the, 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 the fundamental traditional principles. And, that's, and I have no problem with that. But they need to come last, not first. My people do not learn me first. They learn Jesus first. Can we talk about Jesus Christ? Because, see, that's who's in your heart. That's who gave you this new heart. That's who gave you this new spirit. So we start talking about 
Well, we're going to um, have the Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you want a revival in your church? Because let me tell you what revival isn't. Revival is not this mess that we've been told it is. Stop letting people define human enthusiasm, uh, describe rather human enthusiasm as revival. Just because something is novel doesn't mean it's reviving. Newness does not mean revival. And so that is why you all think revival is some sort of, um, <clears throat> some sort of performance and, 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 and actions. It's not a transformation. All of these revivals we've had, we stood, this man still lost his church. So guess how real they were? All of these revivals we had, Christians don't know him. Guess how real they were? All of the revivals we quote-unquote had, guess what? And people are tattooed up the front and down the back, pierced all over the place, sitting up in the church talking about this is Jesus when you're looking like the, the, the little third world nation. And somehow or another, for them, it's paganism, but for you, it's not. For them, it's idolatry, but for you, it isn't. You can't Christianize sin. And that's what you keep trying to do, Christianize sin. You can't make Jesus into what you want. If you do, you left Jesus Christ that was on the cross, and you have recast another mold, or you brought somebody else's recasting of Jesus Christ. That's why he's not talking to you. That's why he's not visiting your church. That's why he's not speaking out loud, because you want another Jesus. And there is only one. There's only one man that God has ordained to be the judge of the quick and the dead, and that's his son. He can't trust anybody else, and he certainly is not going to ask mortals to go rescue mortals. He can't ask the doom to go help the doom. God had to doom Jesus to kill him. He had to curse him to kill him. He had to put everything mortals believed about him on him, everything devils hated about him on him to kill him. If God never put sin on Jesus Christ, that we would not be here. There would be no Christian church. You see, Christian, Christian, you see that? There'd be no Christian church. So what we call truth is based on our doom, is based on our mortality, is based on the darkness in the genetic tree of Adam. And so anytime you want to argue truth with me, i got to ask you what truth we're going after. You realize that in, in, in the crime syndicate, they got a truth. But their truth based on their error in their life. Once you get past the peripheral of their <clears throat> the error in their life, they, they have a truth. Gangs have a truth. Criminals have a truth. The lost have a truth. But it is not God's truth. It is the truth emerged from mortality, from God's curses. It's a cursed truth. So when they tell you truth is relative, that's because you're talking from a cursed person. You're a cursed mortal. How are you going to know? How can you talk about a truth that you were born into that you, didn't, you did not create? You don't know. There are still, it takes how many scientists to get us over a common cold? And, geez, and we still can't. Flu still killing us. So how true is true? See, so when you think about it, you have these discussions with people, and they talk, well, you know, the truth is, no, it's not. Truth is not relative. Uh, no, let's go back. I want to withdraw that statement. Truth is relative to your mortality. It's re your uh, human truth is related to human death, human disease, human weakness, human vulnerability, human subjection to the law of sin and death. It has a truth. The law of sin and death has a truth. 
And those who are above the law sitting there have another truth. And there's a truth that is in Jesus, and there's a truth that Jesus rejected for himself and for his world. You know this is good. You know this is good. Because see, some of you are like, I don't know why God won't talk to us. I don't know why we don't have prophecy. Why God won't open up? Because you told me you don't want it. And if, you, if your church is preaching another Jesus and another gospel other than that, which is Paul and those apostle priests, your church is cursed. But Paul said, anyone comes preaching another gospel or preaching a Jesus we did not preach. See, that's the other thing. See, that Christianization spirit, that's not the true Jesus. Because it's like somebody trying to change you as a person. How does people, how can you change somebody? Make them believe what they don't want to believe. Make them behave the way you want them to behave. Do you realize relationships die every day because of that? So your understand, when they start saying, well, I just happen to believe, when a person tells you, I happen to believe that this is God and this isn't God, you need to find out what Jesus they're preaching. Are they preaching the Jesus that sat on the throne of eternity, incarnated to come to earth, who preached the gospel, brought the peace of heaven to earth to give us the, the light and life of his eternal world, who got on that cross taking those 39 stripes, who still never denounced, renounced his God, who never renounced his mission, who went to hell and spent three days and three nights in hell collecting all of those who died under God's other covenants until the day two could make it to heaven with him, who literally ascended on high, delivering those who died in faith under from Adam to him. He Listen, those people, because that's what he means when he said the spirit of just men made perfect. That's what he's talking about. So who delivered them and then dispatched the Holy Ghost to bring the new creation church into existence on the planet. What Jesus are we talking about? Are you talking about the Jesus that hung out with bums, drank wine? You're talking about the Jesus who fornicated, the Jesus who was a homosexual? You're talking about that Jesus? That's, if your church is talking that, that's a cursed church. Your church is cursed. And God, when he curses something, he says he burns it. It's nigh to burning. He rejects it and casts them out of himself. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And when he starts with lopping branches off, your church is not in the, in the eternal seven. Your church is not in the eternal seven. You cannot tell me, I don't care about how many humans affirm your sexuality or your homosexuality. I don't care how many humans do it. Your body goes to the dust. And they don't have sex in heaven, only in hell. So that's why we know you got to go to hell. It's not because I'm judging or not judging. It's just a, it, this is a technological fact. I'm talking about the technology of the new birth, the technology of the eternal world. I don't care how many laws folks pass and make you feel good about it. Your body goes to the dust. Now, how are you going to practice your homosexuality? Where are you going to practice it? In afterlife. So why are you going to a church? And certainly why are you pretending to be a Christian when Christ himself cursed that? Cursed it from way back in time. It's a cursed practice. Why is it a cursed practice? Why is it? Dr. Price, why is it a cursed practice? I mean, whatever. First of all, I think these, uh, you know, people, that, that whole practice and just me socialize, I don't have problems with those people, not in the least. So don't go and write, you know how y'all like to do that, me just hate things carrying on because you can't find any other way to validate what you do. But why is it a cursed practice? Aside from the fact that it's going to literally 
it's, it, it, at its completion, make the entire human race extinct. It is also, it's not vile simply because God can't stand to see it. The problem with God is he can't close his eyes. Because eyes closed, eyes open, he still got to see. He doesn't get the, he doesn't get the privilege of saying, well, I'm just going to live in my little corner. And he still got to look at you, and he still got to deal with it, and, and, and prayerfully work, work your soul to get it out of you. Because I want you to understand, it's in the soul. When we, start, when we began our biblical psychology class, and we started studying the soul, the anatomy of the soul, the operations of the soul, the architecture of the soul as, as it pertains to the other two parts of your human entity. When we realized that, I was like, okay, so we've been messing over you, Jesus, a long time. You know, are we right in here, we got the affirming church. Are you talking about mortals, affirming mortals, the doom, affirming doom? That's not an achievement. Because you have to be affirmed by something greater, not lesser, and not equal. Because, you know, I can affirm you as your pal, but I can't make that affirmation pay off for you. So you can't, nobody can affirm you. I don't care what kind of church tells you that they can't, they can't affirm you because God has already written before the church began on earth. He'd already said, this is the church of Jesus Christ. Everything else is a mess. If, this, if you don't stay in this church, if you don't stay under these, this government, uh, these laws of the spirit, you are cursed. Paul said it, the apostles said it, and I don't know how we got this far, but then we didn't have apostles making these statements, and the apostles we had were being trained by pastors, so there you go. We stuck. Because those apostles said, if anybody teaches you anything contrary to what we gave you, and we are the authorities, and we are the authenticators because we were in the training classes, because we were built for the training classes, because we sat down and handled the word of life, because we were face-to-face with Jesus Christ. So when we tell you that it's a sin, we know what we're talking about, because we understand sin not like you. Because, you know, Satan may sin tingling and tantalizing, and you're all excited and whatever, but it is not. It is literally a, a, literally a biological issue. It's a genetic issue. It's a creator issue. It's a design flaw. Listen to Sunday's teaching. So when we, so you go to the, and I, I know y'all you know, out there listening, well, I go to an affirming church. Who is affirming you? Your church is cursed. How are you going to be affirmed? Oh, unless you're affirmed is cursed. That's all I can tell you. They cannot affirm you because that, the, the founder of the Christian faith cursed that. And it's cursed not just because you hurt his feelings. God's feelings are not hurt. He said, listen, I'll leave for y'all because I made hell. I know what's made. He said, not only did I make it, I've been there. So I understand hell in ways y'all can't dream. Because you, you all are doing all this stuff because you think going to hell is going to make you look like, you know, those starship movies and, and whatnot. We're going to have a bar. We're going to have all of that. Yeah, you are, but you are going to be sick all the time. You're going to burn all the time. There will be no remedy for your displeasure, and there's no exit. So I don't care how many wonderful movies we make to say we're going we're gonna to tear hell wide open. Hell was torn wide open by the devil who created the sin. He already, he already won that trophy. There is none. There is no. God's issue was so we talked about extinction. So that's the one of the things that is we're talking about it destroys his civilization. It is a cancer in the spirit. 
homosexuality is a spiritual cancer because it destroys everything. It destroys governments. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys lives. It destroys generations. It destroys it, it, all because of how, where you put your genitals. And that deserves explanation. So we should, we should explore that. All because of that. Because it is not a physical issue. It's a soul-destroying issue. And it, that is why so many, when you look at your, don't take my word, somebody to the CDC. So you all don't even go to the CDC. You're so busy listening to the propaganda, you never tried to find food. It is a cancer. It is a spiritual cancer. It is a spiritual, literally, deterioration because it corrupts the soul and it changes the soul code so the soul has to start killing the body. First Corinthians says, it says the only sin you take in your body is fornication. That's, that, that means that every time you do it, you're taking in that contamination. And why is it contaminated? Because God's word put a, put a curse on that action. Adultery, not much different, because sex is cursed outside of marriage. Write that down. It's a curse. That's why we got disease, STDs. Why? Because sex is cursed outside of marriage. And the devils that are promoting it know that, because it, your sexuality determines the subjects they'll have in hell forever. So your little affirming churches, y'all want to understand those are cursed churches. So when you go, so you can say, well, I go because my son is gay. Well, then you curse with your gay son. I go because my daughter is gay. Then you curse with your gay daughter because God said, unless a man hate mother, father, sister, brother, okay, for my sake and the gospels. So you're supposed to hate that because in order for people to do that, you have to be taken over. That, that, that dimension, that depth of delusion, you have to talk about wholly taken over with this mind that we talked about. That's why I said you can, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering because he rose from the dead to leave that in hell for those who don't want it. And he tolerates it. That's the suffering piece. Suffering is not just people beating you up, not liking you and all of that. Suffering is also tolerating sin when you know it's destroying the community. It's a very, very, let me tell you, this is very serious. This is very serious. So I'm going to go back to Isaiah 29. This is why people don't know what's wrong with homosexuality. This is why people don't know what anything, because they don't know what, who God is. They don't know, understand, they don't understand God. They don't understand his creation. They don't understand how he did what he did, how he does what he does, and how he cannot pull back those laws. He cannot pull them back because they are literally the biological and genetic construct of his creation. They're him. If you listen to my sermon on Sunday, uh, at the Congregation of the Mighty Where God Stands, you know, because a lot of y'all got to be laying down here under the pew, here out in the parking lot. But anyway, so we t- I, t- I talked about on Sunday how God created sin. And it was a, it's a very, very uh, profound and analytical statement. Now, 
I realize that we're going to get the folks that's going to write and tell me all of this stuff. But my thing is, if you haven't learned Jesus Christ, and if you haven't studied this Bible the way I do, you got no right to talk to me. You cannot talk to me. I've been at this thing for 32 years. I've never stopped with God. There are people who left him and came back. I never left. There are people who, who started out in his truth and perverted it. I never did. There are people who began to run with sinners. I never did. There are people who began to learn from liars and devils. I never did. I understood. I studied seducing spirits. I studied devil doctrine, and I rejected it and renounced it. So you cannot talk to me about that. I never did. I didn't have to. Didn't have to commit adultery. Didn't want it because I was, I'm married to Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you, that's not a slogan. That's not a church experience. I do holiness not because I'm afraid of going to hell. I do holiness because in my studies and in my research, it's the best option. It's the most preserving, sanctifying option we can have. I never did. So we're going to talk about that. You need to listen to Sunday because in that sermon, I introduce it by telling you how God created and contains sin and why it's his creation. Because, see, you all think that, that Satan created sin. If he did, then he can always take out God. He had to, he, literally, he stole sin. He went into where God puts it. He stole it when he discovered it. And God let him have it. Because eventually somebody was going to. But that's a whole other class. Let's do this. You know, I'm having fun today talking about for the Lord has poured upon you a upon you the spirit of deep sleep. Well, obviously, he has to be talking about a spiritual sleep. He cannot be talking about a natural sleep because we're all walking around. So he's saying every human spirit was put to sleep for a reason. I like how God does things. You know, I just I just really do. You know. And I would love for you to read the whole chapter because the whole chapter is just astounding. And he said, and have closed your eyes. What eye? Your mental eye. You know, right now they're doing this whole thing in, in uh, neurotheology and neuroscience, trying to tap into the pineal gland that they say is the God eye and the third eye. They got that from the Egyptians. And so if they got it from the Egyptians, I don't care what it says it sees. It can only see darkness. It can only see sin. It can never see righteousness. It can never see Christ. Never. It can see a false Christ, but they talk about this this gland in the brain that that God allows us to interact with His world. That's fine, but you can't tap Jesus Christ. And Jesus made it a point of saying, "No one can know the Father a but by Me, and b only if I introduce them to the Father." He who has really learned of the true and living God comes to me. Those are scriptures. Those are, that man is telling you what they did to control creation from this rogue spirit who's created rogue citizens or rogue offsprings and thus rogue nations. Satan keeps telling you his story every which kind of way, but because God hasn't opened up your eyes or because nobody has broken the seal on the Christ in you, 
You think it's good entertainment. You think it's wonderful. He's telling you all day long how he's deceiving you. He's telling you all day long how he's keeping you out of Jesus Christ. He's telling you with every movie, with every song, with every video game, he's telling you over and over again how he's keeping you from the light of life. So then he said, so God poured out spiritual sleep on you, which is why when you get in church and they start preaching Christ, you want to go sleep. Your brain gets, oh, God, I ain't Y'all go to church, go to sleep. They start to admit they say Jesus, man, the drug kicks in. And you don't. You can't even tolerate the man's name without his permission. And so then he said, and he's closed your eye. He's closed that, that, that spiritual eye to him. Now, they, they're talking about, you know, because they think the soul is in the brain, but you need to take our course, biblical psychology, so we can tell you the soul is so, is not, uh-uh. and, uh, so far beyond the brain, so far. And he said, then he starts saying, the prophets and your rulers, the seers, he's covered. So where they once walked in the light, because, again, God's not invisible, so he has to blank us out. He has to block, block us out. He's got to darken us. He's got to put a cover over us, allow a, a dark dome to come over us so that we're no longer able to pick him up. We're no longer. So, and and, and we, the moments that we do are pivotal to God's advantage, not ours. And he said, and the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. I have said over and over again to my prophets and my students, this is the most open, closed book you will ever meet. You, everybody's reading other, other, other. But you know what? It makes no sense to those that it's closed to. And the reason it doesn't make sense is because its author is the Son of God, the living word, the logos. And if you are if you got problems with Jesus, you've got problems with scripture, if you've got problems with scripture, you've got problems with Christianity, and if you've got problems with Christianity, you are bound up and locked out of God's truth. It said the vision of all, I love this, has become unto you as the book, the words of a book that is sealed. So this book, I don't care how much it's in your language, it is not in your language. It may be in your vernacular, but it's not in your language. You understand it by the vernacular. You may understand the vocabulary, but it is not in your language. It's sealed because the Holy Ghost is the one that's got to turn the light on, and the Holy Ghost will do it only if Jesus says so. And so it says, when men deliver to one that is learned. So that means you got your PhDs, you got all your degrees, etc. bless your heart, saying, read this, I pray thee, please read this for me. And he said, I cannot for it is sealed. And then, now listen to this. I want you to see something very important. There's a piece here, because understanding the revelation of, of Jesus Christ to breaking the seal. See, I'm talking about this. This thing is sealed until Jesus thinks you're worth it that you're worthy. And that worth is not about you being saved. It is not about you being sanctified. That worth is about whether or not you can properly handle his truth to his advantage and preserve it from his adversaries. So here we go. He said, but read that. He said, I cannot for the seal. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, read this, I pray thee. And he says, I am not learned. Now, the first, the person who is uneducated can't tell you why he can't read it. But the educated person can tell you but it's sealed. That person, so your, your pastors and whatnot, but, and this is how they'll say, I don't know, ask God. Well, what does that mean? I don't know, ask God. Well, I ain't can't get it figured out. 
all right? And, then, and so the Lord said, the, and then he starts telling you why he did it. He said, because these people draw near to me with their mouth. They give me weekly lip service, weekly. I just love you, Jesus. I just love you, Lord. Hi, and I said, oh, Lord, bring me into your holy of holies. Why? Since the plunder it? Bring me into your secret place. Why? For you to act like a bull in the china closet? No. You're standing up there with crotch-tight pants talking about you know Jesus. You're standing up there with stripped jeans all talking about you know Jesus. You're standing up there with tight clothes. You're standing up there with your boobs hanging out. You're standing up there with piercings and tattoos talking about you know Jesus. The book is sealed to you because if it was open, you wouldn't look like that. You look like the world because you understand its vocabulary and you understand the vernacular, but you don't have the language because the cipher, the code was not given to you. You stand up there as a worship team looking like pagan worshipers talking about, you know, Jesus. You cannot Christianize God's holiness or Satan's um, sin and, 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 and turn it into God's holiness. You can't do it. Unholy is unholy. The designers of those clothes made them for your cross to appeal to sexual people. The designers of those clothes made them for your rebellion. The designers of those clothes made those tattered jeans to prepare you for the vagabond spirit that's going to take over your life and take over all of this culture. That's what it is. That's a precursor to a vagabond spirit. And you're standing there, you're all pierced up, all tatted up with other deities talking about, I love Jesus. You can't possibly love Jesus the way he needs to be loved. You love Jesus the way you want, to, you want to love him, and you want to change him. And so you look like that, forcing his changes on his, forcing Satan's changes on God's people. And you've been succeeding, which is why the body of Christ is lost which is why they have fallen prey to sin, which is why you got devil preachers in the pulpit, because you all think you can Christianize pagan worship and Christianize pagan rituals and call them sanctified and holy as if you know how to sanctify anything, as you know how to make something holy. John 17, 17 says, has Jesus praying, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. You don't know the word, you're going to look like a devil, and you look like the devil's kids. I don't care what anybody says. Because that's how he does it. He stains his children. He, cut, he cuts them. He, he literally mutilates them. He literally mars their being because tattoo is moral. And that is what he does. So you can sit there and tell all day long. But see, get the people who have read this thing and earn the right to have the book unsealed. And Isaiah says this again. He talked about it in Isaiah 8, but I'll get there in a minute. And so wherefore, the, he said, but you draw near to me, you give me lip service. And he was always fussing with Israel. You all keep giving me this false worship and false service like I wanted. He said, enough. I'm tired of it. Don't think to me any longer. Shut up. A lot of them are going to lose their voices. They're going to lose their avenues. They're going to lose their outlets because when the truth shows up, God's got to move the false out the way. So if you've been false, you need to be counting down. But he has, but you've removed your heart far from me. And the fear of me, the fear of the Lord is taught by the precepts of men. Human beings told you it was all right. That was a humanist indulgence and a humanist uh, permission. God never said it. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. I change not. I hated it under paganism. I hated it in Israel. I hated it during Abraham's day. I hated it in Noah's day. I hated it so much I killed it. I hated it in Enoch's day. I hated it in Adam's day. And he said, and I hate it in your day. I 
detested because to you it's your freedom and your liberty, but to God it's his enemy and his adversary. And you're forcing it and ramming his enemy and, and ramming his adversary down his throat. He said, I hate it. And you're never going to get me to say otherwise. I hate it, says the Holy Ghost. I hate it, says the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I hate it, says God Almighty. And I will never like it. I don't care how many of your lying preachers tell you it's okay. I'm telling you, it's cursed. It was cursed before you hit the planet. And when you leave the planet, it'll still be cursed. So you may leave it on a curse. I don't know what to tell you. He said, therefore, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wives shall perish. You can't get wisdom from God any longer. You notice that? The wisdom of, that you're having is what? The wisdom of this world. You know what that's like, James? We all know James. James chapter 3. I just love the word of God. And I love it because it answers questions and it makes sense. And that's why I love it. That's why I love it. So here we have James. This is what I want you to understand. So you can, you can make this for yourself. See, the Bible meant to be a message for you. It meant to be a yardstick of righteousness and sin, truth, and a lie, God and Satan. So let's go here. I love it. <clears throat> James 3.13, who is the wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works within the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, Everything in this culture is about envy. Y'all got machines named envy. You got phones named envy. You got makeup named envy. You got lipstick. You got labels named envy. Envy, that means that envy is the root of this thing. That was Satan's issue with Jesus Christ, envy. And he said, so, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So you cannot say just because envy is a human trait, that it is a, that it's a God gift. Envy is not a God gift. Not every human trait is a God gift, which is why we have the fruit of the spirit versus the works of the flesh. And he said, this wisdom, hear me, this wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Where you have envy, you got devils. You are, you, we talking about now, you got a television show celebrating the devil. Lucifer got his own show like his name wasn't changed. You talking about uh, people chasing devils themselves, pulling them off, and, and, and you got rappers and whatnot singing to the fallen gods and what? Come on. And you all think that's God. Well, oh, you think it's liberty. Well, God freed us. God didn't free you to serve his enemy. He didn't free you to serve his problem. He freed you to be his solution, to be his alternative, and to be his model. And so, so this is definitely for where envy, envying and strife is, there is confusion. Have people, have people have been any more, come on, any more confused? And every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Remember that sin? First, pure, then peaceable. We're not going to have contention and fighting. Gentle and easy to be entreated, which means it's easy on your conscience, easy on your soul, easy on your ego. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partialities, not just for the rich, to the exclusion of the poor, and not just for the poor, to the exclusion of the rich, and without hypocrisy. And the fruit a 
of righteousness, the purpose of wisdom coming from above, because the psalmist says that righteousness reigns down from above, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Here's a passage that's been definitely misunderstood, misconstrued, because that means that you don't fight for your faith and you don't fight. No, no, no. It's sown for peace within. Jesus said, in me, you don't have peace. But in the world, you're going to have some tribulation. Because, heck, they didn't come in this. And I'm not taking all of them in. And so it says, so your wisdom, your wise, the wisdom of the wise man shall perish and understanding of their prudence shall be hid. Look at our legislators. Look at our government. Look at all of these people, quote, unquote, top dollar education, can't figure out what's going on. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. Which means you seek in the deep things. You know, y'all going to the shamans, you're going to the occultists, you're going to the witches, you're going to the sorcerers, you're going to all of that, and you want to you, and you want to sink down into that. It's kind of like Saul did when he went to the witch of Endor. He sunk deep in the hell to get information because God stopped talking. And so he said, "But to hide it, 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 deep, to hide your conscience, so you're going, you're going through all of these things to hide your particular belief and value system from God, and your words are God." So these people are giving you the same tree talk that took Adam and Eve out. Tree talk. And then it says, I love this, and they say, who sees us and who knoweth us? Because this is not even just a matter of doctrine or rhetoric. This is also action. Going to those occult meetings, going to those blood sacrifices, going to all of those seances and carrying on, trying to get counsel because God is just too high for you. He said his righteousness is very high. And because is too high, you're like, I've got to get something on my level. I've got to get something that I can relate to, I can understand. And that's fine. But you're going to stay there. Surely your turning things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not. Or the shall the thing frame say of him that framed it, he had no understanding. And so God is like, when he said upside down, I mean, it's, this is a craze. we got a real mania going on here. This is manic. You have a manic depression. Are you kidding? All of this manic came from mania. See, you read manic, you hear manic, and it becomes a nice psychological term that we love. No, before we had all of this mass manic, we had something that the Beatles brought into existence called mania. And before then, the day popularized mania. And that's why folk are manic today. Woodstock did mania. That's why they're manic today. Because manic comes from mania. So you need to find out what the person's mania is, and we can deal with that manic. Oh, he's a sugar pie guy. I got that dinner list. Y'all about that? Yes. Oh, yeah. See, because see, what Satan starts at what you can see. But God is systemic. He starts at the root because the fruit will tell you about the root. So we're wandering around with all of these here. We got all of this disorder, deranged. We love this word. We've been so and so deranged. Deranged means you went off the range. See, it's not all that. It's not that obscure. So we're walking around here, and so we still have many. You still got you got um, uh, designers, clothes designers. You got. Filmmakers, you've got producers, you've got entrepreneurs, you've got marketplace people all talking about mania. Why? Manic. So when we did the mania thing back in the 60s, 
it was for the pharmaceuticals to have some money treating our manic, which is a fruit of the mania. So we got priests of mania and sorcerers to fix the manic. I think I'm going to call somebody up here. <laughs> Shut him up. You understand? The works of the flesh is still the problem. Soul health, soul wellness, soul treatment, soul issues are the work of the flesh. And they, we have just intellectualized them so that you can intelligently agree with their medications, with their therapies, with their drugs. Because the whole idea that the, that the planet stays drugged, never sober. Because when God steps into your life, the first thing he has is sobriety. I always remember in New Jersey, Ashley, when we had, you know, we worked, we did work the street people and whatnot. And of course, everybody was on drugs. And I stood up there one night, and we had bust them into the church. And I stood up there one night, and I mean laid down. I can't even tell you what I preached because I got caught up in a whole other thing. And I want you to know, those people came to church high, had their little alcohol and medicine bottles and carrying on. And that woman said, talked about, said, that preacher took my high. <laughs> they walked out there sober and mad. I mean, who did that? Mad. Who took their stuff? Because God will sober you up. That is why AA and all those 12 steps were born by Christians who, who pagans took over so that their plethora of deities can get a piece of the action. But God is a sober, sobriety stone. The amethyst, you know, is the sobriety stone. Oh, really? And it's the 12th stone. Yes, the sobriety stone. That's why so many priests are in purple. That's what makes purple so important. It's also why Jesus was born at that season in time. Because he came to bring the sobriety of God Almighty to humanity. Sober up. You have to ask yourself, why is it that we have a nation of however, what is it, 300, 400 million people? They're about who have to stay high, who can't be sober. Why is it our country can't be sober? Because addiction pays. Addiction, is, addiction enables affliction. Affliction enables abuse. And abuse assures captivity. Oh, guys, I feel like I said something. I feel like I, I, feel like I preached a little something. Who's that other prophet? Hallelujah. I feel like I preached something. I did. You ready? Yes. Come on. Go for it. Go, Prophet. Go. Okay. Where should I begin? I don't know. Let's start with the most recent episode. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I mean, the whole addiction thing, when you watch the uh, documentaries on addiction. You watch a lot of them. I do, because I need to know. I'm like, what? And they all just in one way or another, trace back, depending on what the emphasis of it is, uh, trace back to how this got started in this country, mm-hmm. where it came from on the street level, mm-hmm. you know, where it came from in education, where it came from in the doctor's office, mm-hmm. and all the different layers and levels, because it's not just one door. And so when you now we're talking about you're medicating children, 
on highly addictive drugs. The guarantee two a drug three future. years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three years old. Yeah. Two years old. And what do you think that's going to do to them? Let's just talk about their physical bodies. Mm-hmm. Processing all those drugs and, and destroying them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is, uh, yeah, okay. That's the beginning. Okay. <laughs> well, you said that uh, the testimony is not just the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. but uh, the, way of Jesus. the way of Jesus. <laughs> that's the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, I the thought testimony the Jesus, testimony of Jesus right, is not just the name of Jesus. I, and I thought, what an interesting statement, because they will sling around, mm-hmm. Jesus, 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 but not the testimony no. yeah. of Jesus. Okay. And can you testify? Do you know? And does he know you? Mm-hmm. Do you know his testimony? And does he know you know? And then I threw out there, whenever you go, why did Jesus choose a lamb and not an ox? Mm-hmm. Well, why did Jesus choose a lamb <laughs> and not an ox? Because an ox is a brute. Mm. It's a brute beast, and it's for labor. Mm-hmm. It's for burden bearing and, and all those kind of things. A lamb is vulnerable, which means it must surrender. It, it must rely on that which is around it. Not to mention lambs turn into sheep, and you get to the shepherd gets to be uh, compensated mm-hmm. annually, at least, for the care of the flock through the shearing. All right, I'll take down. Okay. And she said it and kept going. Yeah, well, you know I do. Right? I know. That's why I <laughs> wrote it down. <laughs> um, and then how you said that how God shut up our brains to His world, so we wouldn't see how small and feeble we really are. And I sat there thinking. First of all, I thought about the different types of light mm-hmm. and how, with our natural eyes, how many levels of light we can't see. Mm-hmm. And they've had to create. You have your night vision, mm-hmm. goggles, infrared, all the different levels of light alone that mm-hmm. we just can't see. And then I just had an image sitting there of what would really happen if our eyes were open and we thought we are not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the room, how many other spirits, how many other oh, yeah. beings and things are, are here? Looking at us, looking at us oblivious, completely mm-hmm. oblivious to what reality really is. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing while you're sitting, mm-hmm. while they're there. And, and it, trust me, it's an adjustment. It is a major adjustment. It's like adjusting, you know, to people fighting over there and, and singing over there and all of that while you're still trying to live your life or do what you do. Well, and that explains so much why this industry, let's just take the music industry, mm-hmm. is so full of drug addiction because they get in those other realms high. To open their eyes. Yes. yes. And they you say, know. and it's nothing new. Mm-mm. It is nowhere near a new practice. But that's how they get all in and come back but, with. But they only <clears throat> open the dark light. Yeah. They don't like the black light. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. get the black light. Yeah. You get the red light. You know, red light, oh, it's different. Black light. Maybe a little bit of green and a little money. But they don't ever get the light of Christ because no drug in the planet can force Jesus to give you illumination if he doesn't want to. And his illumination comes from his truth because he said, I am the way. So this gives a new new, uh, dimension of this spirit, of this scripture rather. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, which means you don't tap into God's world because you lucked into a right drug. Oh, yeah. No, that could never happen. <laughs> Only that. And, he will, and so because the brain is a massive instrument, and the more we're studying it, the more we're seeing 
um, you know, it's got all all of these things, and it's got blocks, like things that are just blocked, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and it only creates what it needs in its world. And if God does not allow your soul to begin to, um, to, to draw from your spirit so that it can from, um, construct that brain, you're not going to see. He's just not going to let you see. Now, there are times you still have a glimpse, and it's gone. But you'll have a glimpse because that spirit is in your world, not because you went into his. Okay. He stepped out from behind a veil. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, uh, no, it's so funny when you say you can't Christianize sin. <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> But the statement you said about the the uh, reflexive response, I don't see it like that. Yeah. I just don't see it like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it like that. And how even thinking about myself, how many times you'll say that in things that are actually non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like because I don't, I don't, I just don't see it like that. Do it so, you know, what you're saying, and it just completely diminishes mm-hmm. what you just said, and it puts it uh, in the realm of opinionation. And you know, you saying, "Oh, I really love mm-hmm. chocolate cake," and me saying, or you saying, you know, chocolate cake is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't see it like yep. that. Just happen to think chocolate cake is great, but mm-hmm. you know, that is like one kind of that's an opinion, and that is an opinion. But then when we're talking about those godly facts, well, it's kind of like saying that gravity doesn't chill. Well, as long as you don't go against it, no. But I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. No, don't. And, and I have had people say, yeah, but unless there's a lot. We weren't talking about the law of lift. We were talking about the law of fall. Yeah. We are talking about the law of drop. And so you're going to say you don't see it like that. Oh, and, and, and the reason, that's such a good point that you brought up, because the reason that they do that is Satan needs that. He always uses human ego, human pride, and that cockiness and that conceit will cause you to push back on the truth that can make you free. Yeah, so he needs you to fight his war. So these are the weapons of his warfare, mm. which are carnal. Yeah. See, our warfare, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but these are the weapons of his warfare, and they're carnal. And so he needs that carnality to push back on God's truth so that he doesn't have to let you go. Mm. He needs you on that manic stuff. He needs you with all of those drugs. and He needs you afraid of your shadow. He needs that. Because how else can you stay a captive? And let me tell you, the, the most longest, most enduring captives you'll ever have are those who allow you to captivate their will, and they permit you to keep them enslaved. That's a lifetime captive. For the people who end up sympathizing with their captives. Mm, yeah, thank you. And they end up defending them, protecting them, and, and, and trying to eliminate the people who are trying to rescue them. Thus is the story of Jesus Christ and the church. Wow. What else you got? Defending your family. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, this is, I guess, along the same thing. God blinded us to him because of opinionation. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about how, and it's true, because even when he does reveal who he is, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I didn't think that he, you know, and whatever. I didn't think that the Lord, well, mm-hmm. now I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Well, what did now, Jesus say? Mm-hmm. In his parable, he said, what is the rich young ruler? Well, he had to leave. God gave him yeah. the truth. He was yeah. like, oh, no, I can't do that. And then he said, the parable of the soils, the seed, the soil in the world. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, I can't. Oh, no. I'm, that's no. I've got to go back to my familiar mm-hmm. doom. Yeah. 
I'm not trying to be redeemed. I just need my familiar. Uh-uh. And people will go back to the familiar, which is why familiar and family are coming out of each other. Honey, because you start having, you said when, when persecution arrives for the word's sake, you're like, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry, Jesus. I thought it was going to last. No, that's why he keeps saying endure to the end. Because enthusiasm will walk you in. But endurance will keep you there. Well, on enthusiasm, when you said <laughs> human enthusiasm is not a revival. Mm-hmm. How we can define mm-hmm. revival as human enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. We were in church until whatever time. Mm-hmm. And we have, we're in revival because we just can't get out of church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because there's no way. And wait a minute. And what do they say? I asked to us. And we were so enthusiastic and so exuberant, the word was never preached. Yeah. I've heard big ministers saying, yeah, yeah. We, didn't, we, didn't have, we haven't had the word preached in six weeks. Your people no. know. I want you to understand that if you're not preaching the word, they don't have a God. That's like going to college and talking about my professor has not or stood up and did a lecture all the while we were there. We huh. had we had songs, we had dancing, yep. we had whatever, and you know we what? Chapel. 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 And we had chapel. Okay. And then at the end of it all, you don't get a degree. No, you certainly <laughs> wasted a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you had fun. That was an expensive fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no, my fun is on spring break. You gonna right. teach? I'm oh, paying yeah. you to teach. You gonna deliver something? And so people are all excited. That's how much the, the, the enemy literally seduces people into thinking the problem is the word. Yeah. It's, it's a, we are going to yeah. replace the word with worship. And when you read the Bible, they talk about worship. Everybody began to read scripture. That was worship. Worship was scripture. That's so true. When you look at the Bible, like, whoo! They sang the songs and the hymns and those hymns and songs of scripture, but then they just had the word. That everywhere Jesus went, he always taught. When he couldn't cast out a devil, when he couldn't heal the sick, yeah, he always taught because he knew the word is the bread of life. And when your church tells you you're taking you out of the word and all you're getting, so you might be having the soup, but you never get the main course. Woo. Well, I remember, you know, we had those kind of worship services where God just, kicks up, shows up, and shows out, and it's like an hour and change or whatever. And then here comes Dr. Price. All right, everybody take your seats, you know, and see, you know, we have had three moves of God. Honey, you're like, what else did God do? Okay, I'm ready for lunch. I'm hungry. You know, we've been up here for Honey. a while, sweat out. People start around. collecting their purse, right. collecting their books. No, 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 have a seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to bring a word. It, it, I won't be long before you. Don't ever believe that. Whenever God just moved 10, 10 mountains out of your life, you're going to get a real word. Yes. And because we came here for a word. Mm-hmm. The word. And the I word remember in my early days, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, our church never really broke out like that anyway growing up. Mm-hmm. Where the word the word was never preempted by anything. No, no, no. And so um, I said, oh, so we still we still get a word, even though we just sweat out. Mm-hmm. And how you will she see. Y'all, I hear you just got done. Online, he woo you. We just we just had this powerful worship service, and and we didn't even preach today. Third week, like you said, third week in a row, we the, the word mm. didn't even happen, and we have really made that a hallmark mm-hmm. of achievement. Uh-huh. To where God showed uh-huh. up, yeah, where He showed up so hard, we didn't need that old preacher. Mm-mm. Like His word is less than, you know, like we have His word because He doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how it's presented. Yeah. And so when he shows up, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna, let me tell you, the word is the bread of life. Man should not live by bread alone, 
but every word that proceeded by the mouth of God. And so if your worship was great, that's great. That's like your worship is the priming for the word. Yeah. It's the treatment. You go to the doctor, you got to get primed. We're going to prime this thing and last this boil or cut this off or whatever. That's the best of worship. And you're going to sing and shout. It's going to be great. You're going to get an exercise so you can take the treatment. But the word is God. And so when people say that, I say, so your people haven't had the bread of life. I'm off. I think in, what, 18 years that's happened, maybe twice, <laughs> maybe. And you have, you prophesied so thoroughly yeah. in those moments that we all still mm-hmm. took notes mm-hmm. on that prophecy. Like, and when I deliver the word, they, then they really get free. Yeah. See, the, see, the devils were dislodged, yeah. but they weren't free. You just worship just makes you, you know, you're all enthusiastic and, and exuberant. We just, we might dislodge them, but freedom comes from the word. Yes. Because it's the word. He said he cast out devils with his word. He said the word. As the logos, he cast out devils with the word. So you can have a good time. And do you know what? If you don't get the word after worship, you begin to cozy up to your devils. And they become real warm and fuzzy to you. Hey, how you doing? Yay! Because you, you just love everybody. It's kind of like the person who gets the anesthesia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. value shop before you go to surgery. You're like, oh, I just love everybody. Man, they could be a killer. They could be whatever. You just love everybody. And <laughs> that's how it is with that worship. You get that worship going, and you just, oh, hallelujah. Oh, this is great. Oh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And all of that. And baby, you start cozying up with your devils. You start hugging out. Everybody's switching and swapping devils. Devils having relocation and carrying on. And you don't even realize. Relocation in church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you know I'm going to reach out. You always taught us, too, that after those high points of worship should come to work. You know, a prophecy, mm-hmm. a word, something, mm-hmm. something from the spirit mm-hmm. come from those times of high worship, not just high worship and nothing. No, that's a concert. That's going out for a night out on the town. Hallelujah. You do that. Isn't that the truth? You go out it's a night on the town. Yes. But, honey, when you're trying to get treatment, no, baby. You need to be made free. And the word, the Bible said he cast out spirits with a word. He healed them with his word. He didn't say with his song. Jesus did not do that. He didn't sing over them. I know we, we read that one little passage from David, but I'm telling you, God, uh, Isaiah, I believe it is, but God needs you to have his word of truth because it's the word that makes us free. It's the word that sanctifies. It's the word that cures. It's the word that delivers. It's not even just a laying on of hands. I can't just throw my hands on you because you know what? I can give you emergency treatment, cast out your devil, but unless I back you with the word, they're coming back because nothing took their place. And they're bringing friends. Yes. And so I don't do that. I tell people in the mix, because I always say, you know, Dr. Price is always the word, 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 word. And you know what? The word is your wellness and your wealth. You always say that about church. Yeah, I mean, you go to your job every day, and whether you like your job or not, you don't walk in saying, man, I had to work again. Mm-hmm. Hit this desk and do whatever you did the day before. before. And the day before, and the year before, and the decade before. I was like, no, I don't listen to them. And I tell you what, I have, I may not have all the jobs that we're going to have, but I'll tell you what, I've got some of the healthiest sheep in the kingdom. Even in their nonsense, they still help. i got little plumpers. You know, they're nonsense. They're still healthy. You know why? I, and you know why they're still healthy? Because I have fed them so much of the word, their intelligence can hear what I'm saying yeah. and they can relate to us, but God can go back because of that intelligence. Yeah. 
And and poor honey, he he just he just counseled them right off the net. So they come back and said, you know, the Lord visited me last week. Did he? God got me. Don't, don't, say the That's word right. in my church. God got me. You know, and they work with him. And they work with God because I teach my people to work with the Holy Ghost and not run from him. And I teach them how to receive God's correction and development, et cetera, because not everything is correction. Some of it is just downright awareness or, or, or development, you know? And I mean, and he has to point out to you, because the enemy is pummeling you on all sides and always wants you to think that nothing is happening. You're not growing in God. You're not getting any better. You got the same stuff going on. And that's a lie. So you need the Holy Ghost to come and say, no, that's not true. So let me just walk you through it. And he begins to walk you through the film of your life, and you get to see Oh, that is true. I don't do that anymore. And you go, that is right. I didn't realize that. And and, uh, I have grown. Mm -hmm. And you begin to bless God. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, why do you need to do that? Because you keep giving the testimony that it's not working. Isn't that powerful? See, some of you all, you can't testify to God's power because in your mind, it's not working. It's not working because Satan keeps controlling the narrative on your sanctification and on your maturity. Wow. And you're going to have to change that. You've got to stop letting him control the narrative and script what's really happening between you and God. He doesn't know what's happening between you and God until you open your mouth. And even whatever you say is only a piece. Come on, girl, say something. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, baby, say something. You see that coming? Okay, um, she said some of the ones I thought was so good, but you also said I do holiness because it's the best option. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a keeper. Okay, yeah. y'all. That's worth going back and listening to this whole thing <laughs> over again. Also, you talked about hell being no remedy and no exit. I thought that was good. No, no, no. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell is your reward. This. You don't think about it this way at all. Um, I love what you talked about when you talked about the affirming church. Um, just speaking into that, mortals are forming, mortals, the doomed are for, affirming the doomed. Um, you talked about how we have to be affirmed by the greater. I thought that was really powerful mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're helping us figure out where our validation actually really comes mm-hmm. from. Um, also, you said, who is affirming you, your cursed church? <laughs> yeah. And you're walking around all proud of yourself. I'm a Christian and my church says it's all right because we're not religious and we're not legalistic and we're and we are we have a right to be ourselves and affirming church is gonna tell you that you are love for being yourself when Jesus died on the cross for you to stop being you. He died on the cross for you to stop being you and stop being him. So your little curse, yes, you know, I keep saying that. I was like, Are you kidding me? First of all, all of that violence all in one place on Sunday. Oh, come on. You know it's a false Christ up in there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, so many things. Uh, well, and, and probably actually spoke to this, but maybe it's worth speaking to again. You, you talked about it a couple of times today. We can't Christianize taking rituals. I love how you talked about how, why is it sin yes. for this culture to do it? It's not sin for you to do it. Um, powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, mind-blowing emoji today because that's really. <laughs> you going to get me out of mind-blowing emoji. You will smoke them out of the tears. <laughs> I'll send you the one. <laughs> but but yeah, let's, take, so let's talk about that because you have to do. And you constantly have to deal with these issues. Oh, absolutely. You know, Christianity, especially among young people today, it's personal interpretation Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's people get very, you know, angry, especially like, and not just the teens, but like young millennials, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, those that right now are in like their mid-20s, that, that around that age work with a lot of people that are that age too. 
um, will get angry with you if you try to define their Christianity by a standard, mm -hmm. because Christianity is now supposed to be defined by our personal interpretation. Mm -hmm. So well, I'm going to get a tattoo, and I'm getting it, and it's a scripture, and it means it means worship to me. You know, so I think that you're shedding light on this, and this mm -hmm. is something that I can even talk about, like in my Inspire Her meetings mm -hmm. and things like that with these young ladies, because um, they need a truth to be brought to that. Mm -hmm. That you can't, you can't kidnap and hijack something mm -hmm. from a pagan culture and decide that it has to be shoved down God's throat. And you've talked about this mm -hmm. many times. You know, us literally shoving down His throat things that were dedicated, created mm -hmm. for other gods, mm -hmm. and telling God, you have to accept this as my worship. Yeah, because mm -hmm. this is how I choose to worship. This is how I choose to I worship. I choose to worship. And God said, and I choose to reject you. Deal with that. Let me tell you something. Just because you put, well, because we, in this whole process thing, you act like God has no choices. God, I, I'm rejecting you. That's why I'm not giving you a job. That's not why, that's why I'm not healing your children. That's why I'm not getting your children out of jail. That's why I'm not increasing your increase. That's why I keep having your boss come down your throat. I've taken my favor from you. You don't even know God's rejection because you've been taught wrong. And let me just talk about this. Well, I'm tattooing the, the scriptures. The scriptures are God's intellectual property, and you have no right to put it where he didn't tell you to. I need to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to take no traffic today because I was just I like to walk around. I got to stand up. Because if you take and put my intellectual property on you and claim it as your own, Ooh. I can see you. Yeah. Hallelujah. We have copyrights, and, but, 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 but the creator has authorized. And your scripture or his flesh is misuse of his word. It is his intellectual property. It is not yours. He told you to put it in your heart and not on your skin. It's you know what? <laughs> 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 All my show today, folks. We're live. Oh, I had he said, he didn't he didn't authorize you to put the scriptures on your skin. He Ooh. said, you cannot put your word, his word on your flesh. He said, put it in your heart. I mean, he put it on the rock. And he, he said, put it everywhere he wanted it, he put it. Until Jesus. And then he said, it no longer matters on the rock. And it no longer, because he said, because the word is weakened by the flesh. This is why he didn't tattoo Moses. That's Ooh. why he didn't tattoo Moses. He said, because when you put it on your flesh, you weaken its power. It becomes a dead statement and not a living work. Ah, look, y'all better share this. Share it. Just share. Mm -hmm. Message people, text people, tag people. You're it. Because <laughs> <laughs> when people say that to me, I'm like, but are you kidding me? He told you not to put it on your flesh any longer. He said, because it, 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 on your flesh, it dies. On your flesh, it loses its power. On your flesh, it doesn't affect you because the flesh goes to the dust. And if you want people to see your love for God and see your fullness of the word, then you need to walk it and talk it instead of sporting it on your flesh. Well, because people regret tattoos all the time. I mean, they, they tattoo their body at one phase in their life, and they're like, yeah, I'm not even that person anymore. Mm -hmm. I do whatever. <laughs> but saying, uh -uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the word. I haven't even gone anywhere else, my opinion. Although I will say that I cannot understand how you can put a tattoo on your body and be a preacher in the pulpit and tell God's people this is Jesus Christ, and yet we go and see them on other 
cultures and they're serving their God and you're trying to tell us Christ makes a difference in the world, he didn't make a difference in you. He said, so his grace profited you nothing and you received the grace of God in vain. Hmm. <laughs> the prophet's called choir. Mm. Well, you know, someone earlier while you were talking on this wrote a question on, mm-hmm. on the feed about, you know, what do you do if you're, you, you're tatted up, you've already served Christ. You know, a lot of the, the people in our ministry cover their tattoos. Oh, yeah. oh, then you'll never work in my, if, if, and let me tell you something, you'll never stand in the front of my church with a tattoo. Not showing. Now, you need to close it up, but you some mm-hmm. Dermablend. Dermablend is a really good thing. It is uh, waterproof, etc. You need to get a little Dermablend. I love that stuff because it stays on for days at a time. Strategically placed jewelry. Okay, yes. <laughs> because that's your penance. That's the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Some people, we have some people who are getting, you know, one or two of them yeah. removed, lays it off. Yeah. If you have that kind of strength and fortitude, and sometimes people are so penitent and they're so sorry and so sorrowful, they'll do it. You talked to me about a, a, a rapper or somebody that was doing it because they realized it only worked in their world. Well, they uh, realized, I don't know if they had any removed, but he realized a whole lot of movie roles he couldn't get because his arms were tatted up. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to consider him, but they're just like, you have too many tattoos that we can't hide. Because you're selling something contrary to the film, to the poor. script. He was poor. Exactly. So that was the thing, you know, so many of them. And now it's infinitely greater than even this. And they're trying to put it in and show them carrying on. But when I look at those people's past, you know what I think? How dare you ramrod your perception down my throat? I hate it. I'm going to tell you right now. I hate it. Because that, first of all, it is you and your now because your scriptwriters want to push another agenda. I said, this is another thing y'all ramrodding down our throat. Everything that we're struggling with today was ramrodding down our throat. Yeah. Just ramrodding. Nobody cares. I was like, I looked at a show with this guy was, uh, I don't know, doing something spiritual, whatever, tatted up. I said, but that's a lying vanity. That's a lying devil. To me, I'm telling you, but I, that's their world. You know, to me, I always say the world's least, the least of the world's problems is a tattoo. Because they must be born again. But when you've been born yeah. from above, then God's going to sanctify you. A lot of those people that came into the early church were that. But guess what? They didn't sport it as if it was their main achievement. They wore it humbly, and they were contrite about it all the time. God said a contrite spirit is what he received. Yeah. Yeah. You can't change it. You can't fix it. But if you're going to serve, mm-mm, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be covered up. You're going to be hot when everybody else is cool. Dave, you're going to sweat through, honey, because that's your, that's your penance. Well, you're going to sweat because you you're not singing in my choir with no tattoos on. I see women walking around with it on their legs. I thought to myself, you won't be up in my pulpit because I am not going to allow you to model and a permission that God has not given. And if I let you sit up in my organization, chat it up and tear it up and carry it up, then what that's going to say to the people in the pew is that, A, number one, Dr. Price has changed, and she doesn't. I'm close to Jesus Christ. I don't change. And she changes not. I don't know because I, <laughs> because I tapped into the truth in the beginning. Right. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. Now, I grow. I mature. And so I'm not doing it. The same thing, like, we just had some fighting with the, with the attire. I was like, I will not let my ministers model paganism. I won't do it. Or wrinkles. Or wrinkles. Yeah, I don't hate, I hate wrinkled clothes, crunchy things. Oh, come on, y'all, little crunchy <laughs> Put a piece of steam on on that. <clears throat> Spit on it. Well, this is it. This is heat. <laughs> but 
And, I, and so, and you can talk about legalism all day long, but my Bible says to me, apostleship is about 20, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power, turn them from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, I'm telling you, I'm an apostle. That's the work of an apostle. And turning you to Satan and okaying you to Satan and okaying all of the things that that man got on that cross for and died, bled and died, all of the things that that man went to hell for, he went to hell to get the key to hell and death. And yet you're going to turn around and be a modeler of a death culture, talking about you Christianized it for Jesus Christ? You can't Christianize him. He is Christ. How you going to Christianize Jesus Christ? How are you going to Christianize what he condemned? He said, what I curse, you can't call blessed. And yet you have preachers telling you that you're blessed because you got your little pats, you got your little pierce, you're wearing your little booty, booty crutches, you're wearing your little raggedy jeans and all of that. All of that is paganism. It comes from devils. Don't take my word for it. Follow the trail. You know, in those movies, and when they're trying to find criminals, when they say follow the money, you need to follow the devil. That's right. Trace that devil. Because that human agent had a devil, and they, they had a call, and they, huh? they don't hide it. They don't, ha- they don't they have, have to hide it. Yeah. But, my, but, but, we, but we hide the gospel. Yes. And I'm not hiding the gospel. Follow them. When we looked up genes to understand that genes was a symbol of rebellion, and that nation bought it as a statement of rebelling against Christianity and rebelling, rebelling against the church, that's a big statement. And now we're not only wearing them to rebel, we're also wearing them to what? Denude ourselves. I mean, to literally, to take our clothes off. You got to watch women walking around with raggedy jeans. I'm like, but you, I mean, that's a hobo look. I don't care how much jewelry you put on it, you still look like a hobo. Well, it was before. It was hobo wear, and it's still hobo wear. When we were kids, ripped, torn up jeans made you were too poor to buy new ones. But these people are still poor. They're just poor in their souls. That's psychological poverty because you're in bondage to a fashion statement that represents what? Vagabond. Poverty. Poverty. That's a poverty statement. And I'm telling you that because when God gets done with this and he begins to judge the planet, he's getting you used to wearing raggedy wear. Because he's going to judge this planet. Go in your closet. You're going to fit right on in. Tore, bleached out, etc. Everything is about nudity. Everything is about your behind. Everything is about sex. And you really think that's Christ? And then you got preachers standing up there doing that, sitting there talking about their little sex life on television. It can't be that great if you got the publicizer to make yourself feel good because precious things are hidden. Indeed. There's something else to say because you got some things to say. I know. Yeah. Ooh, okay, uh, to you, it's your freedom and liberty, but to God, it is his enemy and his adversary. So your freedoms affect God <laughs> because you are forcing his adversary's ways into his face. Hmm. See, we've been listening to preachers talking about God is love. So if God is love and Satan is hate, why are you sporting Satan? Because you don't like sporting God. You don't want to cover it up or nothing. Not language tells you it's that. They can, the term, I'm telling you. Slang, the names. Research. And so how in the world are you going to say you cannot Christianize sin? I'm going to tell you over and over again. You can't Christianize 
sin, you can't Christianize paganism. As a matter of fact, the Hindus are mad at the church for playing with his yoga because they feel like you took their thing. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. Hindus are like, why? We don't want a Christianized version of yoga. We don't want Christ. If we want it, then we'd have it. You know, we have quotas. Just you know what? And that's about what they're trying to do. And they, the Hindus tell you that, that, that what you're doing is, to, is you're taking their deity and you're snatching it, their gods from them. No, that belongs to Brahma, baby. They don't want this. They don't. Well, because Christians are the ones who are flattered when the world wants us. No. We don't have enough sense to be offended. No, no. Well, and because they've been I just, out of it. Well, I just saw an article about Snoop Dogg. He came out last week. He uh, made the Guinness Book for the biggest uh, mixed drink, gin and juice. Mm-hmm. You know, throwback to one of his first songs that came out in the 90s. And it's a couple hundred gallons of liquor, mm-hmm. straw, whatever. And I'm reading, I'm kind of skimming through the article, and one of the last statements it said was, you know, 20, right, 2017 was when the album came out, or this year? Mm-hmm. Either way, in recent months, his album, his gospel album, mm-hmm. came out. But basically, fear not. It mm-hmm. looks like he's returned to his roots. Mm-hmm. Of being the dog that he is. But he made himself dog. Yes, and how uh, it just it is so interesting that even the world is like, man, quit playing. <laughs> okay, good, we're back. Let me tell you, there's enough Jesus in the planet for people to recognize fakes. Yes. And there are enough Christians in the planet for people to recognize fakes. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us, but my job as an apostle, because, see, I know that we all talked about apostles being church planting. That is not what apostles do. Otherwise, you can't explain the bishop or a pastor. You can't explain the evangelist or the teacher. You can't explain the elder who also plants church. So what is our distinctive? Right. And we need to find our distinctive. And our distinctive is Acts 26, 18. We face off with God's adversaries. Yeah. We face off with cultures that are about him. God promised Jesus Christ the planet. And he gave it to him. And then his people sold it from under him and turned it back to devils. Yeah. But that's the work of an apostle. An apostle is about gods and nations and about God's, the almighty God's culture and the pagan cultures of the world. God is light, Satan is darkness. God is light, Satan is death. God is holy, Satan is profane. God is righteous, Satan is sinful and wicked. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and look at the, now why did I give you that? Because look at the language of the shows, look at the commercials. I mean, you're talking about wicked being a, a, a term of what? Yeah. No. And so it takes apostles to hear. That's what makes our strategy and our generalship and all of those other faculties and, and abilities and attributes, they're all based on being the weapons of war that give our God what's it. Bring back to Christ what is rightfully his. So we don't do wickedness because we know the origin of wickedness is not God in that context. God cursed these things. He cursed wickedness. He cursed iniquity. He cursed all of the things that these rappers are singing. But you know, they were so smart, they got you addicted to them by putting them to song, melody, and rhythm. So your soul can't even figure out what's wrong because you all love it. You love that. 
You love Satan himself. You love devilish music. You love doom songs. You love doom dances. You love doom culture, doom or what attire. You love it because in your mind, you don't believe it's doom. And the sad part about it is that you're living the doom and you're so busy loving it, you don't realize God's not getting involved in your life any longer. He's not backing you. And you don't care because you go to the doctor and get yourself a little piece of disease and Karen, all of a sudden, well, I'm your, I mean, you said, and you start quoting scripture and carrying on God's like, what? Like he said to Israel, why are you coming to me? Go to the God you serve. Let him heal you. Let he who made you sick make you well. Why am I going? <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. But you, if you cannot, if, if you only hear one argument and you don't hear the other side, then you are a slave. Your freedom is based on knowing the, the fullness of both sides of the argument. You have to know the advocacy and you have to know the adversity. And then you decide what side you are. Then you can say, as Moses can say to us, choose ye this day whom you will serve, Joshua, or who is on the Lord's side, Moses. See, you have to make that decision, and you have to make it all day long, but you can't render the right judgment if all you have is rock music and rappers and R&B and witchcraft and, 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 and celebrities acting like goddesses and carrying on, then you don't hear but one side. You don't know that you are, these people are, have made the decision that they're preventing you from making. See, they already chose the side they're on. That's why they were elevated to go and get seed and fruit after their own kind. So they chose there, but, they're, but, but, but standing in the way, they're blocking you from knowing the truth. So I'm standing here, and I sit on this thing every Thursday and give you the other side of the story because I'm an advocate for the Almighty. I am his advocate. I'm an advocate for the righteousness of God. I'm an advocate for God's portion. I'm an advocate, and I love it. And when, you, when, I'm, when I have to minister, I'm a consultant. I consult you. Today, I've been giving you consultation on the advocacy of the Almighty and the adversity of his enemy. I'm an advocate. But a lot of you all are adversaries. You didn't mean to be. You weren't trying to be. But it's what ended up happening anyway. You want to talk about biblical psychology? I want to talk about our show we're running. Oh, you're running a sale? You got a sale. We are. We want you to check us out on our social media. We have our assessment and advisement sales right now. You can get one. There's several sales. You can get one assessment and get one 50% off the assessment of your choice. You can buy a group of assessments and get another group of assessments free. You can purchase life advisements. You can purchase, if you purchase an hour of prophetic advisement, you can get 15 minutes free. So we want you to visit us on social media on our, our or you can also visit drpaulprice.com, drpaulaprice.com. Visit the homepage and we'll be able to click the link so you can see the promos so on the web or on social media visit us on our ppm global resources page if you look up ppm global resources price university all of our social media pages you'll be able to check out the deals i don't know if it was shared on her page or not yes it was page. and um too what's great is uh a chief prophet had reached out to me why well, reach out to them and then they reached back and said i want my people who hadn't taken the assessment particularly the, the prophetic action mm-hmm. questionnaire in, in several years to come back through. And so you buy five, you get three free. Yay. And so if you have a big ah, prophetic company or a big yeah. prophetic network, that's a big saving. And you can, can you mix like, if you do the five, do they have to do the same five? 
or can they mix and match? Oh, they can mix and match. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you can do that. Uh, the ministry one, the, the other one she talked about, the buy one, get one, half off. But I tell you what, if you have those groups, if you need advisement, do you need help after today? You mm-hmm. might need some advisement. And so we do have the advisement packages too. So I was so excited when Dr. Price was like, this is a sale we're doing. Yeah, we're gonna run it for a little bit, for the, well, at least for a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks, okay, great. Okay. You know, after that, yeah. You know, we'll come up, you know, come up with something else in August or September. But right now, if, and here's why you want to take advantage of this. If you're starting a school, or if you're a teacher, if you are enrolling students in your ministerial program, this is a perfect time to add this process or this step to your admissions process. You can actually have all of those people take the assessment and then get those uh, results and sit down and know how to specialize or at least customize uh, your development of the group that you're getting this year. It's a great, great tool. We do the work for you. And all you do is send your people to www.drpaulaprice.com and let us do the rest. We are getting ready to kick off Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute in just a couple of weeks, Wednesday, June 20th, right here in Tulsa. You can get all the information on Dr. Price's website at drpaulaprice.com. You want to come. Go ahead. And, and tell them what they want. You can also <laughs> be a part of our live studio audience on Friday the... 22nd, we are shooting an episode, or maybe two, of Taking It All with Paula Price with a live audience. We're going to flip the whole room around, have the the Taking It All with Paula Price set, camera, action, and you. So if you're in the Tulsa area, Oklahoma City, surrounding areas, if you're not able to make it to the whole conference, but you still want to be a part of the audience, you need to let us know. So we can, well, have a seat for you. (laughs) And, and, And so, now, the interesting thing about this is that as a, you know, live studio audience, you're not just going to view. I'm going to open it up for you to field some questions. Oh. So you can ask us a couple of questions. You can ask us a couple of issues you want. Might prophesy, interpret or drink. I don't know. I'll just do what I do. And you all by now who've been with me all of these years know I can do a lot of what I do. Don't miss this. This is powerful. You'll be a part of our first live Studios honest. I don't know that we'll have this happen again. I really don't know. This is just because we it fell around tipsy time that we decide what, this is a good idea. But I tell you, you're going to enjoy watching the show being taped, and you all know how I can cut up, so it will not be boring. Uh, Yay! <laughs> and that's not all. Oh gosh, she's just loaded today. Sunday afternoon. In the afternoon, we are having a scripture organic. Culturally Unmodified Baptism Service. So if you are already coming to the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute and you want to be baptized into Scripturally Organic, Culturally Unmodified, you also need to let us know. Can they do that on Eventbrite? Is there a thing for that there? They can, they can actually use the form on our social media for it. Oh, on the form. Which social media page? Uh, it's, on, it's on both pages on PPM Global, okay. um, which is where we, all of our announcements come to that page, and then Price University too. Wonderful. Yes, make sure that you have signed up. You like the PPM Global Resources with Dr. Paula Price or something. I think that's the official title page on social media. That is where, like she said, our announcements are always consistently posted about the business. 
And they can indicate on their registration form. They can let us know mm-hmm. that they want to be baptized. You're going to love it. Now, what's the baptism about? It's not about what you think. We are scripture organic, culturally modified. We've had people over and over again want to shed that. You want to wash away that because you're stepping into this and you're making a statement before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm leaving the pagan cultures of the world. I'm leaving paganism. I'm leaving pagan rituals. I'm leaving pagan practices. I'm leaving ungodliness. I'm leaving unrighteousness. I'm leaving false Christianity and I'm abandoning false Christ. That's what this is all about. So it's a powerful statement. And, you know, the first time we did it, we were just surprised at how involved God was. But that's what this is about. want to tell you, uh, as we're closing out today's show, first of all, share, share, and then share. You all are my media people. You are my, you spread this. Yes. So spread it, spread it, spread it. I want you to share with everybody. Number two, I want you to go to YouTube and like, Taking it on. Taking it on with Paula Price. I need my numbers up because when I get my numbers up, good things happen for all of us. So I want you to go and say, I am going to subscribe to Taking It On with Paula Price and uh, on YouTube so that we can send you stuff and we can notify you and you become part of our circle, a media circle. You're going to love it. So that's the second thing. The next thing is, don't forget, Sunday is Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Oh, yeah. We, we, we want to stand big. We should. Oh, can you do this? Okay. <laughs> and then, lastly, sow a seed. You know, money creates covenant. And money, nothing, shows where your heart is like where you sow your money. Sow a seed. Go to my site, drpaulaprice.com, and sow a seed. I gave you things today to set you free. I mean, you can use this. If you're a church or a pastor, I've probably given you a month worth of fodder. You can roll with this. But you know what? The Bible says that when I sow spiritual things to you, you reciprocate with material things. Because, and here's why. This is such a good piece of information. Because... The spiritual things that I sow are going to engage me in warfare and combat. And Satan's number one first attack is money. So you have to sow materially so that you become my fighters and my warriors so that I am not punished because of the truth that I say and Satan binds it up. For all these years of my life, I have stood on the truth, but I have not had sufficient warriors to back him down. So anytime he wants to, he can use money to shut us down and to close us off or to contain us. I need you to do me a big favor. I know you love me. You've done some amazing things. I always want to thank those of you who have. But the reason that God put that in the Bible is because his truth tellers always have to fight backlash. And Satan's major backlash is money. So we need you to push back on him. So I push back on, to, on him and push him off of my life with a seed because money answers all things. And so if you would do that, that would be grateful. And then you'll start seeing me grow. We still have to finance broadcasts. We still have to finance shooting the next season. And I know he doesn't want me to go global. You know he doesn't want me to go global. You know he doesn't want me to do much more than this. So every time we get on another station or every time we get to, um, to shoot another show, we are shooting. Those are missiles. Can you realize your money is, is a weapon? Your, your sewing is missiles? Because you're pushing back on the darkness. 
I need you all to do that for me. I've never been this blunt, but it's heating up. To be honest with you, things are heating up. But you alone, if we're family, all of us are doing this, every single one of us. There is not one person listening to my voice who is not responsible and, and probably hasn't committed to giving God back his church and giving him back his kingdom, hallelujah, and casting the devil out of the high places. And that's what we do with the Paula Price Show. That is what we do with taking it on. So, again, go to drpaulaprice.com and say, Dr. Price, I'm sewing because I now understand why God put you on my heart. I now understand why God told me to sew, and I want to sew into what you're doing, not only to seal the work that you're releasing in me, but also to be a soldier, to be a fighter in the army to get this around the world. I love you all dearly. God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget Sunday.